Okay. All right. How many of you have your notes from oh, a month ago? No, it was, what, two weeks ago when we were in here. Was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago? However long. Do you still have your notes, the, the page on baptism? Okay, so we're going to wrap up that tonight. If you don't have the notes, you can make a few notes. There's a, a couple of things I'm going to try to hit real quickly, and then we're going to move on to the next part. Um, so as we talked about baptism, we really got to the last section, and this part was dealing with the results of baptism. So what we, we, we've made it very clear that baptism is something that we do after salvation. Uh, you must be a believer in order to go through believer's baptism. You can't have believer's baptism if you're not a believer. And that's why we talked about we don't baptize children. Uh, when I say children, we'll baptize children who are now believers in Christ. When they come to that age and they've made a solid testimony in Christ, a profession of faith in Christ, I'll baptize children when I'm confident they understand the decision they've made. I, the last thing I want to do is baptize a child and then them have this false assurance that because I got baptized that I'm saved. So I want, to, I want them to have very, very, very clear and confident in their, in their salvation decision. But we don't baptize, we don't do baby, baby, uh, baby um, I was about to say baby sacrifices. We don't do, we don't do those either. <laughs> Um, we don't do baby, we don't do christenings, we don't do baby baptisms, we don't do any of those things. We don't dunk the children, we don't sprinkle them. Um, we do baby dedications, but that's not about a baby, that's not about a child, that's about, really, it's about you, the parent, and us as a church, and the commitment parents make in the way that they raise their child, and for us as a church to come alongside and help in that. It's not, it's not my responsibility as pastor to raise your child. But it is my responsibility to come along and help you to be a better parent because of your knowledge of Christ and the Word of God, but also to come alongside you and help you in that. And, and you know, we've had, we've had some situations in, in the church and all through my ministry where we've been able to help some parents who really were struggling with, I don't know what to do right here. I don't know how to handle this. And, and I'm glad to help someone else because we had somebody really help us when Jordan was six this is the illustration I use a lot of times where Jordan had that attitude of, of I, I wanted what I want. I want what I want. You know? And that's, a, that's as clear a picture of sin as I've ever seen. That's what sin is. I want what I want. And that was, that was what was going on with Jordan. And we went through it. Man, I was pulling my hair out and went and got some counsel from someone who had a lot more kids than me. And they were older than mine. And it helped me to, to, to learn some things. And uh, so we're glad to do that. We, we, baptism then is, is about, you must be a believer, and, and baptism is not for salvation. It is, it is in response to your salvation. It's the first act of obedience. It's the first thing we should do as a believer in following the Lord and believer's baptism. We should do that. Uh, we should be willing to do that. If, if, if you've truly been born again, you know, I don't, I don't want to get baptized. Then I think there's a problem. There's a disconnect there. Because now the first thing we're doing after we say we've come into a relationship with Christ, I'm going to be disobedient to what he's asked me to do. And I've seen it. We had a guy in Georgia. He was at two churches we were at. I was on staff at both. And, and he, he came to the... He, I, I counseled with him many times. And he simply would not be baptized. You, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? You don't remember. But you know what? There was an immaturity in him even as a guy who had been a Christian, he said, for 20 years, and he was probably in his, at that time in his 50s, 
because there was a rebellion in him and there was a lack of spiritual growth that it, it really had stunted his growth spiritually because he was in disobedience. So here's some results of baptism when the right steps are taken and you're being baptized for the right reason. First of all, it is this. It's obedience to God's word. When, he is, when, when a believer is baptized, the believer is identified with, with obedience to God's word. Scripturally, baptism is not an, is not an option, but is a command. It's a command the Lord has told us to go and, and to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. So we are to baptize those that, be, that become believers. We're to baptize them, and, and, and we should be baptized. So there's a, there's, it, it's a command that's given. Furthermore, Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Again, if the Lord's told us to do it, why, why are we pushing against that? Why are we not willing to submit ourselves there's a problem. There's something, there is a disconnect. And then you got to figure out what is the disconnect there. Um, Thus, those who submit to scriptural baptism do so in obedience to the command of Jesus Christ. Without judging anyone's heart, it is certainly fair to question the sincerity of someone's profession of faith if they are unwilling to submit to believers' baptism, provided they have been taught the biblical truth on the issue. It's different if they have no idea what it means. Once they've been taught what that means, if they're still at that point hesitant or resistant, more, more so than hesitant. Hesitant could be fear. There's some people that are shy. That I've heard people say, you know, they're worried about getting up there and being in front of everybody. And I said, well, try my place every week, you know. You, you, we'll, we'll trade one. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it is, it is, it is, you want to do it again? Did you, did you, have you been baptized? Yeah? Okay, just checking. Because some people are pretty shy, and they're like, I don't want to get up there, you know? So I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, it, it, there's, a, there's certainly a disconnect. And so you can be shy, but it's not about, it, it is about their profession out there. But we shouldn't let that hinder us from doing what God wants to do. Amen? Miss, Miss Emma, amen? You're a little shy about it, weren't you? Nervous. You're nervous about being in front of everybody. Yeah, you're right. That's the wrong word. You weren't shy about it, but you were nervous. I remember talking to you. You were nervous about that. And uh, so um, I get that. I get the nervous part. But she wasn't a bit hesitant when, when on that Wednesday night, I think we just started talking about this, and she's like, I need to get baptized. I, I got saved years ago, and I never follow the Lord and believers' baptism. And with the teaching, she said, you know what? I need to take care of that. So praise God she did. Identification with God's people. When a believer is baptized in water, he is identified with God's people. Most, believer, uh, most Baptists believe and teach that water baptism is the right of entrance into local church membership. And I say that, this is, I told you this is material. I didn't put this material together. I've gone through it and I've looked at it. Um, some churches function that way, that when you are baptized, you automatically become a member of the church. We don't do that. We don't do that. We changed that a few years ago. And I'll tell you why we changed it. Couple of, a couple of, couple of scenarios I'll give you. Um, a six-year-old wants to get baptized. Made a strong profession of faith. So we baptize them. Shouldn't church memberships be a conscious decision that we make? Right? My question is how, how much of a conscious, really conscious decision can a six-year-old make about membership, about, about that? Um, so what we do is when, when children will baptize them, and then when, when the time comes at, at 12 years or so, when I think that's kind of where we've kind of drawn the line is about 12. But then if they want to go through the class, we, we do the same thing with them we do with any other member. We have a three-week class. You can call it 
kicking the, the First Baptist Geneva tires if you want to. And it's just an information class. It is, we're going to talk about our past, our present, our future. Um, we talk about our mission statement. We talk about, again, where we came from, where we're going, uh, our doctrinal statements, what we believe. All of that is so important, especially in the day that we live in today. And uh, it's so important to, to have people even sign, you know, we, we sign a, a membership covenant. It says, I adhere to the doctrines of the church. Because I've heard stories of people that come forward. I, I've saw, seen this all my life. Somebody walk the aisle and they say, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And they present them to the church. Church votes on them and bring them in. No, know them from Adam. I don't do that. I said for a long time, I thought, that that was a, a bad way to do that is just to take someone that, you know, they need, there needs to be some counsel. We need to make sure we're like, we're in like. All right, so here's another scenario. Say someone's living in sin. They make a profession of faith. If they make a profession of faith that they've been born again, should we baptize them? Absolutely. There's nothing in Scripture would hinder that. But let's say they're living in sin and they've yet to break off that sin. We bring them into church fellowship as a member What's the very first thing I got to do if they won't get rid of that sin in their life? Church discipline. Now if they won't get do it. What have I got to do? Got to bring them before the church if they they just say, "Well, I'm not going to do that." I'm not. Then first thing I got to do after we just baptized them, brought them in church membership, is bring them in here and vote vote them out out of membership, exercising discipline. So we want we don't want to do that. We want to, we want if there's if there's an open sin in that way. It needs to be resolved before we bring them into church membership. So we've, we, a lot of churches do that. We don't, we don't handle it that way. It is a symbolic picture that reflects the reality of Holy Spirit baptism. The baptism by immersion that, that brings a person entrance into the body of Christ is uh, the universal church. So when someone is baptized, look, that when they're saved, they're baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism that brings them into the church, the, the, the universal church, okay? So they're, they're brought into the church. This is an act of obedience. What we do up here is an act of obedience. And it is a public profession of them saying, I want to identify with Christ. And so that's why we do that. So in the New Testament, virtually all new repentant believers were baptized and thus identified with a local assembly of believers, i.e. the local church. This identity came through believers' baptism in water. Um, authority, of bab- uh, authority to baptize. So authority to baptize resides with the local church. The authority for administering baptism rests solely with a local New Testament church, not to individual Christians, even Christian ministers, or to denominations, conventions, associations, or fellowships of churches. Um, I've, oft, I've argued this for a long time. There are, there are some church, there are some parachurch ministries that I think over, overstep their bounds in this because they are not the local church. Amen, Brent? I'm going to name it because, you know, it's something I dealt with in Volusia County, and I'm not saying it's universal. But with FCA, one of the things, and I've seen some of this, is some of the, the football coaches get in trouble because they baptize kids on a football field. Well, that sounds great. But you, you've probably just offended every pastor in the community. You've, you've defied what God's plan is to work through the local church. The parachurch organization is to come alongside the church. If a kid makes a decision in an FCA meeting, man, praise God, that's fantastic. Now what you should do is help that kid find a local church, a Bible-believing church, 
get involved with that church and grow in that church and be discipled in that church and be baptized in that church and join that church and grow in that church and serve in that church and serve through that church. Amen? That's the way it should work. And I had people over when we were in West Volusia saying, oh, we need to have a day where we take the kids out and baptize them. This is before I'm a pastor and I'm on staff there. We need to baptize them in the ocean. I said, number one, that's not scriptural. But now you're, gonna, you're trying to connect with churches, and you've ostracized the pastors of the churches that you're trying to connect with. Because they're, they're looking at you like, you, now you think you're the local church. You don't have that authority. So, um, so I'll say this, those that when we were in Israel, and I think we talked about this in Israel, where we, went, we were at the Jordan River and we baptized. And I shared with you all, that, that wasn't baptism. Now, I think it we could have even... You know, under the authority of our church, that could have been. But every one of you had been baptized before, and what you did there was a, it was really symbolic, a symbolic baptism. It was not your baptism, right? You'd all been baptized. It, you don't forget that, do you? <laughs> that makes an impression. Sally, was it your face? I think it was your face. Yeah, Melinda Griffith almost backed out. Melinda, when you came up out of the water, Melinda was like, uh, I, I could see the hesitant. She was like, I can't, I don't know. So that was, that was, yeah, it was cold. All right. Uh, Christ gave the commission to baptize to the church itself. You can see that in Matthew 28. It was given to the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 12 through 17, Paul emphasized that Christ had not sent him to baptize converts in his own authority. Paul was sent to preach. When he administered baptism, he did so by the authority of, of the church at, at, at initially, it would have been through the church at Antioch. They sent him. They were his sending church. They would have been the, the, the church that he would have been under authority. At other times, it was from Corinth. He would have been ministering out of Corinth. But when, when he was ministering in a local church in that area, if he baptized someone, he would have been doing it under the authority of that local church. It wasn't his own authority. New Testament evidence is clear that only the local church has the authority to baptize. This does not mean that only, listen, this does not mean that only ordained church officers, i.e. pastors and deacons, may baptize, but anyone whom a local congregation designates or approves may conduct the ordinance of baptism. Um, church Gene and I were in, in, in Gastonia, North Carolina. They had moved to a huge butler building, Growing like crazy, 1,100 people. And uh, they didn't have a baptistry in that multi-use building that they were in. So what they would do is when they had enough people lined up, they would go up and have a Sunday night service up there at the old church, and they would have a baptismal service. And it was, I thought it was pretty neat what they did is they let the person being baptized choose who they wanted to have do the baptism. So it was pretty cool. It was different. It was you know neat testimonies and things that came out of that. So it's not, a, it's not like I or Pastor Aaron or our elders or even our deacons are the only ones that could do baptism. Um, again, baptism em emphasizes the New Testament, that, that New Testament churches observe only scriptural baptism. So let's talk about that again. Churches that substitute sprinkling or pouring for immersion in water do not administer scriptural baptism. Churches that baptize infants do not administer scriptural baptism. Churches that teach that baptism is essential to salvation do not administer scriptural baptism. You understand that, right? Um, there's some, I've told you there's some groups out there, some guys out there that get a lot of publicity. A lot of them have been really embraced by Baptists, 
and they're not Baptist, and they really push baptism. And, and so far as I believe that, I absolutely believe that they are baptismal regenerational people. And that's what they push. Man, they have been just loved on. And I'm not saying not to love them, but they, they've been embraced by Baptists. Like these guys are, we're like-minded in that. and We're not like-minded in that. If you tell me someone's got to be baptized to be saved, we're not on the same page. And, and I'm not going to fellowship with that. Oh, me or amen? amen? If I tell you who it is, y'all might get mad at me. So if you want to know, you can come ask me after church. What? What'd you say? Do you have a question, Brent? Yeah. Well, if it ain't a church function, they shouldn't be doing it. Well, I'll tell you another thing I don't like. I don't, I don't like having these, like an annual day of baptism. Now, if you tell me that you've got candidates, that they're holding candidates to, that need to be baptized, and you're holding them to a certain day, you could do that, but that's not scriptural. You should go as soon as, as, soon as you're born again and you understand that, you should follow the Lord and believer's baptism, Right? So you should do that. You shouldn't say, well, I got saved in February, but we're not doing the baptismal service till January. Okay? I don't agree with that. The other thing that they're doing today are these spontaneous baptism service. And these are a lot of times, these are churches. These are Baptist churches that are doing this. I, I, and I don't know, I, I don't, here's what I'll say. I'm speaking a little bit in ignorance right here because I don't know the, the mechanics of what they're doing. But they're all mega churches. So let's say you got, you got 3,000 people here, and you're going to send 300, 400 people, 500 people. You're talking about baptism. You need to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, blah, blah, blah. all this stuff is talking about baptism. You get people all worked up, and they all go charging up, and they want to get baptized. How are you ensuring that, number one, they've truly been born again? Now, I, can't, I don't read hearts. You know, I don't like look in and go, oh, yeah, you're a Christian. There's no stripe back here that tells me that. But are they counseling with people and hearing a testimony that says, I am born again? And they can explain the gospel and, and, and how they came to faith in Christ. Do they have a clear, uh, what would be the word, clear and, and, I don't know, maybe that's the right word, just a clear testimony. Do they have a, 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 a testimony that you go, that's a good, solid testimony? Are they doing that? If you got 400 people, are they doing that? Or are they running people through that some guy showed up to church this morning and now he runs up and he gets baptized, he gets caught up and I need to be baptized, I haven't been baptized, and he goes through the pools and waters of baptism again. How is that different than baptizing a six-year-old who may or may not have truly been born again and them, then them not struggle with, well, I'm saved. Well, I got baptized. I'm saved. That's no better than Joel Osteen saying, well, you know, I think I'd be amiss if I didn't offer you a chance to be a part of the family of God tonight. Now, I haven't preached the gospel. I haven't one time referenced the gospel. But tonight, tonight, brothers and sisters, if you would, if you would just pray this prayer with me, you too can be a part of the family of God. And there are people who get mad because I mock him. 
a little more teeth. Yeah, I don't have the I don't have the teeth for yeah. I hadn't heard him in a while. I need to hear. I need to listen. I can do a little better. Is that pretty good? Was that pretty good? Listen, don't don't. I don't I don't mock to be. I don't I don't do that. I should I shouldn't probably shouldn't do that. People say you shouldn't do that from the pulpit. But I I have a problem because I think he's a false prophet. So I don't really have a problem with that. He's a false prophet. I've heard the man with his own mouth say that you know he he just. I just can't say that Jesus is the only way. You know, there's, there's maybe other ways. It's the way for me. But... I mean, I've heard him. And he just, you're basically, you're denying Christ. You're denying the gospel at that point. And so, um, I mean, what did I say? This... What did Joel say? Uh, I'm serious. I don't remember what I said. What did Joel say? <laughs> oh, we, I think I shared, we went to an event 25 years ago. We had some people invited us to go to a Joel Osteen thing. I didn't want to go. I'm going, I don't want to, I'm going to, it's going to hurt these people's feelings, but there ain't no way I'm going to this thing. And then we find out there's multiple couples going. <sighs> what do you do? So I said, ah, you know what? I'm going to go and I want to see. I want to go and now I can speak some truth into our people if they, there's foolishness. But we'll, we'll go and see what he's doing. I'm curious why, how he can fill up a stadium with people. But he did exactly what I just mocked. Never preached the gospel. Never referenced scripture. But at the end said, you know, I, I, you need to be a part of the family of God. And if you'll just pray this prayer. And you know what happened? And when he did that, I went, man, nobody's heard the gospel. They're not going to stand up. They stood up all over the place. And so he had them say, uh, say some abracadabra magic words. And they left there as lost as when they came in. But they have now the false assurance that, well, I prayed a prayer. I'm going to heaven. And that's why you have a lot of people that pray a prayer. They pray a prayer, and then where are they in six months? Can't find them because there was no, there was life, no life change. So it's important. So great question, Brent. Um, so I think you figured out, I don't like those mass events. I, I, I just think, if you got somebody gets saved, they need to be back. I told you all, we'd all probably just keep water in there. Would you, would you tell me why we shouldn't do that or couldn't do that, Gina? Wouldn't have a change of clothes, yeah. I'm going to go to Walmart and get some cheap shorts and T-shirts, <laughs> and I'm going to have them back there. If somebody gets saved, we're going to take them up and dunk them. I'm serious. I'm thinking about that. We, Yeah, but I need some, they need to have some shorts on under that. You know, once that's wet, it's, yeah, I'm just saying, Brent. I saw you in yours, and you got to have shorts and dark T-shirts, okay? Just, okay. No, but we, should, we shouldn't delay that. We should, we should follow through and do that as soon as possible. So there's a lot of things that are going, look, baptism is one of those things that gets abused, you know, ministry like FCA even say that they don't, they, don't, they don't focus on that because so many of the people they would minister to come from different backgrounds that would do it different ways. Again, you have a kid that comes out of a, a Methodist church. Now you go baptize him in the ocean. You ostracize that church. You're going to have a hard time ministering now to that, to that pastor or that congregation if you're a staff person. So you can help them have a little wisdom on that, because they didn't want to listen to me. Oh, I think it's cool. 
I had the director of Georgia and Florida. You can tell I'm still talking about this. Um, I had the director of Georgia and Florida tell me. He barked back at me. You know, he's like, well, we got coaches baptizing them all over the place. Don't make it right. Great. Got kids that want to get baptized. That doesn't make it right just because you're doing it. I said, I can't control that. That's you as a, as a ministry head, but you need to go back to Scripture and find out what's right in that and what's not. Churches that teach that baptism is not important or is optional do not administer scriptural baptism. So you go the opposite of you have to be baptized in order to be saved to the other side, it says it really is not important. And that's probably more of what's happening today than the other side is that, you know, it's just not a big deal. It's just not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's a part of our obedience, okay? All right, any other questions? We were wrapped up on baptism. Well, there shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Um, here's the thing that I found is that many of your, many of your faith-supported ministries will take money from wherever they can get it. And so I had a guy come down and tell me, he was a fundraising guy, and he told me that you need Catholics on your board. Well, if you show me a Catholic who can sign our doctrinal statements of faith, which are as baptistic as they come. The FCA. The FCA. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. FCA, their statement of faith. When you have to go online, you have to say and certify that I believe this and I, I agree with these statements. A, a, a Catholic that is loyal to the Catholic Church would not be able to sign that. Couldn't sign it. And so if you're bringing in, you know, and it was all about money. And I said, well, you know, my father owns the cattle of a thousand hills. I don't need to go out into the, to the rest of the world to get, the Lord can provide. And he did provide. So, yeah, yeah. That's a problem. Oh, I heard, <laughs> never mind. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to share that one. Okay. All right. No, any other questions? Folks, here's what it is. You go the Word, and you do what the Word says. And you go, you don't want to be, you know, well, I can't believe you was getting on them about that. Well, then go by what the Word says. Quit doing it the way you want to do it. Do it the way God's Word says. I, 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 you know, I get irritated with some groups with worship because some groups define worship as very little liturgical, right? It's very formal, and there's a little heart in it. And then you have some churches where the worship is all about the emotion. There's very little doctrine in it. There's very little liturgy, 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 whatever the word will be. How is it pronounced? Liturgy? Liturgy. Liturgy. I think you're right. Um, There needs to be a balance, but it, you know, as long as... The thing that I love about Aaron is when we, we talked, when I talked with Pastor Aaron and we met with Aaron before we, we brought him in, and, and uh, one of the things that I was concerned with as, with a worship leader is a worship leader has great influence. And, and if, they're, if, they're, if they're off base with music, they can influence a congregation 
in, in a way that's not good, okay? And so we talked about that, and, and, and he shared his heart with me that, and we were on, I mean, in lockstep, that the music we do, he said whether he, he liked to do a blend of, of hymns and new stuff, but it has to be Christ-honoring music. We're not doing Z88-3 Top 20. There's a lot of Z88 Top 20. They play a lot of stuff that's, that's probably, you know, I've listened to that, the, the different Christian stations, and there's some songs that are great, but there's a lot of them that are so shallow. There's no meat in them at all. There's no, I mean, you, some of them, if you didn't, if it wasn't on the Christian radio, you wouldn't be sure of whether it was Christian or not. So in, in uh, how long has he been? Three and a half years now. I don't think one time I've ever had to go to Pastor Aaron and say, man, I don't know about that song. You know why? Because he's, he's got the right view of that. And so there's no, there's no, there's no, you know, where does conflict, I was talking a few weeks ago, where does conflict and tension comes from? And when things are going in different directions, right? When it's going the same direction, you don't have any conflict. It's when things are going in the different opposite directions, or one ain't moving and the other is. It's when you get conflict. And, uh, and I, I so appreciate Pastor Aaron's heart and his diligence with the music. There's some groups out there today and we've done a few songs by Hillsong. We don't do many, and we, we really, we, if, uh, there may be one right now that we would do from there. Bethel is another group that has a lot of songs on the radio. And I, I'm not, um, you know, if the song is not absolutely solid with the doctrine, we won't even consider it. The other thing, though, and I'm not even real keen on doing their music, and here's why. You do a Bethel song, you do a Hillsong song, and people go, oh, man, I really like that song. What is that? Who is that? And they go and look, and they go, oh, man, that's Bethel. So now they go to Bethel, and they, and they search and bring Bethel up on their Spotify, and they start listening to Bethel music, and they're messed up doctrinally. And so that's why, that, that's why it's important. Is the one song going to corrupt a mind, especially if the song is, that song itself is doctrinally right? No. The problem is not that. It's the embracing. It's why, folks, it's why we don't, we don't do a community. Anybody that wants to come from our community on, on Resurrection Sunday is welcome to. But the reason we don't have the whole community up there taking part in that service is that we don't agree doctrinally there's a reason there's a Baptist church and a Methodist church and a church of God and assemblies of God and the Nazarene because we have doctrinal differences. What happens when we stand there and lock arms together, then people say, well, they're all the same. And we're not all the same. Amen? Okay. I've, been, I've had pushback on that. I, I, they told well, I'll tell you what they told me. But I don't have to defend myself. I don't know who told me that, who came and told me. Scott, you was telling me something. I'm not going to talk about who, but Scott shared something with me. And you know what I thought about this Sunday as I preached? It's one of the few times in my life maybe I listened to the Lord and I submitted. Because I said, you know, my flesh might want to go over there and raise Cain because somebody said something about me. But I told Scott, I said, you know what? I don't have to go defend myself on this. I'm not, I'm, God can defend me on this. I was accused of being a racist in our community. I'm no racist. I'm no racist, and uh, but I got accused of that because we we didn't participate with someone in, in the they didn't get to participate in that. So now I'm a racist. Well, that's not the reason we didn't do that. 
Hey, look, it's, 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 um, things happen. And what I don't want is to let something silly bring division and disunity in our fellowship. Amen? And I, I, I don't ever want to be the cause of disunity in our church. You know, we want, to, we want unity. And there, there I've, I've, I've shared a couple of little things that happened that, man, Satan was trying to use some things to bring division and disunity in our church. Folks, that's why we need to pray more than, more than ever. Right now, you see the growth. I mean, we're pushing, well, I don't know, what was it, Miss Debbie? Was it 180? It was almost 190 this Sunday. It was over 200 in here. I'm not talking about total number. I'm talking about in here was about 186, 188 Sunday. It was over 200 just a couple of weeks ago, right in here. And so the church is growing in spite of that, that we're full and people are coming and they're coming back. What happens is people come, and it's packed, and they go, they go, ah, you know what? I'm not going back. That's just, I just, you know, it's too crowded. I don't like to go to theater that's crowded. I like to go when I'm the only one. I get to pick what seat I'm going to sit in, and, and, and ain't nobody's head in my way, and ain't nobody's popcorn bag rattling. You know, I, that's what I like. Most people are that way. With, they, they don't want to be sitting beside somebody. Else. But here's what helps. You being super friendly helps. Who said, who said that? Um, Gail. Gail. The guest with Gail Sunday, she said that the lady that was with her Sunday said, said it felt like home. Everybody was so friendly. She said the pastor was so welcoming, explaining why we do this, and that we're like family, and everybody was so friendly and all that. That's, that's what will that'll attract people. So be friendly. Be, and, and, and when you see new faces, welcome them in and, and include them and help them. Help them connect. That's okay. I know it's not the rapture. <laughs> Jeb clamp it maybe, but not Jesus. Well, the time sure flies on Wednesday nights. I love Wednesday nights. I love Wednesday nights. I love that it's more, a little more, it's just, this is us sitting around the living room, right? So we'll start next week. If you have your notes, if you picked up your notes, fold them, put them in the front of your Bible, and you'll have them for next week, okay? We'll, we'll start right there next week. All right, any, any questions or comments before we dismiss? Yes, ma'am. That was Miss Gina. That was Miss Gina's idea, and and we got to think about it. it. Was a great. It was a great thought, and turned out to be a great move. I thought it was more laid back. More people could attend. It was a good time. It really was. And I want to thank all of you who brought banana pudding. I got to try about three or four different banana puddings, and you know, I'm not giving out any ribbons because they were all good. I just want to thank you for that. Okay. Amen. Yeah. I did linger. I was trying to see if anybody was actually going to eat that. That's why I was there. I heard, I heard Bob was saying, you know, show me this one person that was stealing from your table.
<laughs> Where's that person? All right. Well, have you enjoyed being in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. All right. Be praying for Sunday. Sunday's a big day. So Sunday is, is State of the Church. Uh, we'll do our State of the Church address. We'll have a, a shorter message talk, really dealing with our vision, loving God, loving people, serving the world. And then we're going we're gonna to talk about where we are as a church, give you kind of the scoreboard, cast some vision, talk about where we're going, what we need to do. And uh, so I think you just be here because you don't have to stay late. We're going to do it in the service this year. We're going to make that the service. So I think that's very helpful. Okay. All right. All right. Father, thank you for uh, being with us tonight. Thank you for our time together around the word. Lord, I, I, I pray that if I say anything that is, is displeasing to you, you'd convict me of that and show me that I shouldn't say that whatever it was, give me better wisdom if I mess up. Um, but, but Lord, I thank you for just giving us your word, allowing us to, to just devour it and to mine out the truths that help us to live our lives according to your word, to live out our lives the way that you desire us to. And it's all designed for our good and your glory.